Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll talk about Pokemon TCG Pocket, a brand new trading card game that's coming to mobile devices sometime this year. It was revealed today. We'll give our initial thoughts and impressions on it. We'll give a bit of an update to a topic we covered a couple of months ago, and that is an update to card uh, stores' ability to sell play Pokemon items, cards, packs, those types of things, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, mainly. We will, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And then we're going to wrap up this week's episode by talking about the results of some tournaments that took place in Southeast Asia this past weekend. We've got the Utrecht special event coming up this coming weekend. And we're also going to do a new segment that we are going to do every single week, uh, every single week, for the next few weeks, and that is going to be called City League Watch, where we're going to take a look at the decks that are performing well at Japanese City Leagues as we prepare for our impending rotation and the new Temporal Forces set release. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How are we doing, man? How has your week been? Been good, Chip. It's been good. Good week. Um... I guess the uh, thing that was like most pressing this week for me was whether or not I'd be able to register for UIC, but I did get registered. Um, I didn't on the first wave. Felt pretty comfortable. And uh, yeah, not not as comfortable for everybody. I guess that's something we could like talk about is, uh, yeah, it filled up. Pretty, actually, I'm curious now where we're at with that. That's like, that's crossing my mind. I actually don't even know. how. I think it's quite a fit. It's full. Wave two it filled, filled up, up basically both waves filled up basically instantly, right? Yeah. I got in on the wave one. I'm pulling it up right now. See how many people are registered. Thirty one hundred even. And that should be that's all divisions in the TCG. So we're probably looking at twenty five like plus. Twenty three twenty seven, I was gonna say, masters. Um it feels like there's not ever like more than like two hundred spots given to well, actually that's not true because we recently had the first day too for we did. How many spots do you do you need for that? Two hundred and you need two hundred and twenty-eight spots to trigger day two Swiss. So I feel like they probably gave that to the seniors again, right? Like at least I would hope so. Yeah, the chance. So maybe we're more looking at like three hundred senior slots, two hundred juniors, and then um, the rest masters. So we might see a day two for the seniors as well. uh, The the second day two for seniors, and that's probably you know to be honest, going to next season as long as the space allows for it, we might that might become the norm, which is pretty cool to see, to be honest. Yeah, it's pretty wild. So many people registered in such a short time frame for the tournament. It makes you wonder what, like, if it was left to just be uncapped for, like, a week, let's say, you know, yeah. how big could it possibly have been? It's pretty wild to think about, honestly. Yeah. We really don't, like, know those numbers anymore, right? Like, we know the uh, immediate, well, that's not true. I guess for, like, something like, uh, was it Charlotte? Not Charlotte. No, Charlotte, you could have registered for a while, right? Yeah, Charlotte didn't yeah. like super sell out fast, but they had a ton of space. But it's like it's but I feel like because of the the fear of everything selling out instantly, everyone who has any like thought about potentially going, they try and register um like on the on the drop. So like the uh there's no like natural filling up of the event really, you know? Cuz it's mm-hmm. like everything is so there's like a panic around like registration right now in the Pokémon TCG for the most part. So like in the past you would see stuff because like there was that one year that nationals filled up like two weeks before nationals happened and everyone was like wait what all of a sudden i can't register mm. and then there was like you know quite a few people 
um, who had like thought about going, planned to go, just hadn't registered yet. All of a sudden was like, well, now you can't register anymore. And that's like the first time that ever happened. Um, so it's like, because you always a- like, I remember my like first regionals I went to, there were people waiting in line when I got there to register and pay like the yeah. day of the tournament in person. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the long gone are, are those days. And now because there's such a panic about potentially not being able to register, if you don't register immediately, people besides the people who are for sure going are like registering immediately, right? So there's no like natural fill up of the event as you get closer to the event. Everything is just like, register, everyone you met it registers immediately. And if we don't quite hit the cap, you know, if there's like, there's only a little bit of space left even at that point. Um, if, even if we don't hit the cap immediately, there's only a little bit of space left. Um, uh, and actually makes, it's actually curious. I saw some people discussing this kind of stuff on Twitter because of EYC Reg. And one of the interesting um, topics that got brought up around it was the idea of there isn't infinite, we don't have infinite space at convention centers, right? Like theoretically, if everything just keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing, then we will get to a point where no matter how big the convention center is, we're going to fill it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, so an interesting topic that I saw got brought up on Twitter around that was like a, a way to de-incentivize people to go to as many majors as possible. Um, which is curious, but I feel like that's like in the future that almost might become the 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 plan, like or something that you'd want to look at doing is because if like we get to the point where we get every hall possible in the I don't know, uh, Indianapolis Convention Center, and then we still have more people who want to register, like um, the idea of like de-incentivizing them, de-incentivizing people to want to register, like going going to like just one or two throughout the year, the ones that are closer to you, instead of trying to go to as many as possible. Um, yeah, I think people, I think Pokemon wants people to go to as many as possible. That's what it feels well, like, at least. Well, yeah, but if they're always capping, then it's like, okay, then they're, they're the it's like if you already meet, meet that goal, then... I mean, um, I think if that, ha- I mean, first off, I think we're like a we're long ways away, pretty long ways away from that happening. I mean, those, yeah. some of these convention centers are massive. They can handle oh. tens of thousands of people, right? In theory. I mean, we could, yeah, I, like something like Indianapolis or, uh, yeah, some of these places can handle so, so many people. Yeah, I think the bigger, the bigger thing that's going to come up and be a problem is staffing. I think that's like going to be the biggest hurdle coming up. I, we kind of talked about that, I think, like last week or the week before I mentioned that. Because yeah. um, I see so many people still being like, and there's like reasons, like this is like, there's reasons that you don't just like immediately buy out. Well, one, you just probably couldn't staff a tournament for the potential amount of people there could be. Like if we could get up to four or 5K Pokemon players, let's say it's possible right now. The, the staff for that might just not exist so it's not possible besides just buying more convention space right um yeah we're not getting really close to the point where we're like running out of convention space yet um but like this is the thing where it has to like kind of scale right like pokemon's not trying to buy a whole convention center and then only fill half of it they're not trying to do that so you gotta we gotta keep showing that we're gonna keep showing up and also with a lot of these like north american regionals we are we we are getting to the point where it's like we're very close to like the I don't know, the threshold of like max interest, right? Because like Charlotte had what two K people, um, and it didn't it didn't fill up. It took a while for it to fill up towards the end, right? Yeah. So like we are we, in in North America at the very least, we are reaching the threshold of current interest, and I'm sure the interest will grow going into next season. So hopefully Charlotte next year is like maybe you know twenty four hundred uh, or twenty five hundred uh, masters. Uh, but we are like near that threshold. Like we're very close with a lot of these regionals for sure. 
So it's not like we're it's not like there was 4K people trying to show up to Charlotte, right? So we're not like that yeah. far off right now. So I think the the state of growth that we're currently at is on on a pretty good pace for the regionals. I guess like the ICs are maybe something where it's like it would have been maybe nice to see a little bit more space if it was possible if the staff was there if the staff would have been available would have been nice to maybe see i don't know 4k total across all three divisions in the tcg or something like that instead of 3.1 another thing i saw was people talking about ways to de-incentivize people from signing up just to get the like competitor swag kit because that is something that also happens (laughs) across like really all three games right go tcg and vgc uh it's not like a, a massive number i would probably guess like a hundred or so across all the games maybe 200 that's like just a total shot in the dark guesstimate but yeah because you have to like show up and actually go there instead of yeah. just buying it from a competitor in secondhand market right instead of just going on ebay after the event you would have to like pay the entry fee show up to the event get in line yeah but if you're I'm like so, a you know you're if you're some pokemon if you're so, oh. someone who lives in the uk like you know train to london's not too bad yeah, 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 it's true. But yeah, it's like it's like if these people are just collectors and not even players, like the the Pokemon tournaments, if you're not a player or a fan of any of the games, they're not really it's not truly like a convention, although we've kind of talked about those. I don't think like we're the far ICs. away from it being one, man. Yeah, I think especially like the ICs and stuff, I think would be cool to see them more geared towards not just a tournament, but like a celebration of Pokemon, which is I feel like what they were trying to do as much as possible with worlds um the last couple years. Yeah, um, I think they've been succeeding the, at that, honestly. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they do rent out way more space than just the tournament hall that we see, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, they've got the pop-up Pokemon Center, right? Uh, the Play Lab is dedicated to a ton of space as well, getting people into the game, which is a good, you know, a great thing to be doing as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, the foot traffic in and out of the tournament. Like, we're looking at competitors for the event, you know, what? I don't know what the VGC and go numbers are exactly i mean we're probably around five thousand to maybe a little bit more you know give or take 500 or something like that i don't know for sure uh competitors between all three games plus unite as well oh unite is um, gonna be here as well yeah Unite's are they always at the ICs? ic's are they always at all the ic's or they were not at laic right? they were not no. at laic okay were they at they NAIC were at naic last, last year okay okay I have never uh, they have that. been at the most recent euic's and naic's i believe Okay, okay. But, um, yeah, there's going to be like 5,000, give or take a few hundred play, uh, competitors. And then on top of that, I mean, spectators, it's probably at least that number, maybe even up to double that number, honestly, of people coming in and out of the venue throughout the weekend. Like, there's a lot yeah. of people coming to check these big tournaments out. Um, and I think that is another issue that has kind of presented itself is like, there are so many people who are interested in coming and checking out what this Pokemon tournament is, who are not necessarily people who want to play and compete, that uh, it's almost like Pokemon has to find something for all these people to do <laughs> with their time, right? Yeah, yeah. They want they want to keep them interested. They want them to come back to another one. So yeah, I think like making it into a scenario where like, especially the ICs and Worlds, of course, for sure, like more in, into more of like a um, convention as opposed to just a tournament. Uh, for regionals, I feel like it's a little bit less necessary, but Doing yeah. more with that stuff doesn't hurt either. Um, but yeah, making it making the ICs and worlds a little bit more special in, the, in those regards and making it a little bit something more for everyone who enjoys Pokemon, not just like the competitors for the games, I think is like a, a good direction to be headed, uh, personally. 
But yeah, that was EUI, EUI, EUIC registration. Of course, some other topics came up around that, of course, with it telling out so quickly. Reoccurring topics, I guess I should say. We've seen these topics before. We've discussed them before. We've talked about them at length, um, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I just think the biggest thing that people forget, I think the number one thing is just like, when people are like complaining about why didn't they just get more space? It's like, all right, I think the first thing we have to look at is like, is there a staffing issue or a potential for staffing issue? Um, and it'd be cool to be able to see some more transparency on that, of course, and then being like, okay, like one of the reasons maybe numbers aren't as big as we'd like is just because of staffing. But if that's not an issue, um, then it'd be cool to see them continuing to grow the grow the numbers. But I think the numbers have still been growing at a steady rate. Like, what are we up from EUIC last year? I'm actually curious because we're up, what did I say? It was 3.1 now. So we're predicting what? EUIC last year was 1,500 players. Masters? Yes. That's it? Yep. So we're up a K? Yep. All right. Well, there was probably some no-shows, but it's roughly 1,000 more players, which is, what, like 60, 66% we increased. Yeah, pretty that's wild. Like, that's a big increase. Like, I don't know. I don't know what players kind of expect. Like, there, we have a massive growth phase right now, but like a year or two years from now, it's going to taper, like, it's not going to grow at this rate consistently. Like we have a massive growth rate right now. We're going up. Um, but you know, maybe after next season or the season after next, it is going to like level out and like more steady growth. I feel like this is like the, the growth we've had over the last two years, two seasons is like not what we're going to consistently expect year over year. Right. I think it's like right now we're in a big booming phase of it. So, I mean, I think that the, and it's fair for the TOs to want to be, um, conservative or not conservative but you know uh you know make reasonable them reasonable with their growth be like all right we can do this much and if you know if we come a little bit under that that's fine hopefully we cap that's great and if we don't if we come a little bit under that we're comfortable with that we can't expect tos whether that be tpci or you know overload or day two or any of the european tos we can't expect them to just like buy out the whole venue and be like it's basically uncapped that's not like reasonable for us to assume so I don't know like i said i still think we have a good back and forth i still see the constant complaining on twitter about this but i think there's a good back and forth of like we keep showing up they keep giving us more venue space so at a reasonable rate it's not like a one percent increase or something like that so this is literally a 66 percent increase like that's a big number <laughs> i think that's good yeah. enough i think that's good enough for this uic um we'll see what we can do for we'll see what they give us for naic i guess um but uh, I guess another thing that happened over the weekend had the show match. Chip, you joined me casting that. Uh, that was a ton of fun. I had a ton of fun with that. Um, what do you think for how it went down with like the conquest format and all that? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on. It was definitely a blast. I really do enjoy that format. Um, you know, good players all racking their brains together, trying to find the best plays and stuff like that. Uh, I think the quality of our games that we got <laughs> was probably a little below average, right? Yeah, below average. But we did have sure. some really exciting games, I think. Like that Gardevoir mirror match was super interesting. Yeah, that was <laughs> a good one. The way the American players approached it, maybe a little uh, what we wouldn't have expected, but um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and uh, ultimately, Australia did get the win. The U.S. boys could not bring it home for for the homeland for the. <laughs> for the good old us of a but the folks down under were able to take care of it natalie james and brent um and it was in a it went all the way to game nine which is always exciting yep. and what you what you hope for you know something like this that you want it to be as competitive as possible right yeah all the way down to game nine and it was a pretty close game um there was some plays definitely worth discussing afterwards after it was all said and done for sure 
uh, in the game nine. And, but it ended up being a lot closer than we thought for how it started, too. Like, I thought it was just kind of turn twosation, KOing a Snorlax. It's like, okay, I think this game is over. But, yeah, was able to kind of... I mean, I, I was, I was going to say uh, the Americans were able to start to bring it back, but they just kind of sat there and did what Snorlax does and just like, we're like, all right, counter catcher. All right, counter catcher. All right, boss. And then it was like, it did get to the point where it almost felt like it built up to the point where there was the potential for the comeback. Um, but a pretty uh, pretty cool combo at the end. Close it out for Australia. They got the dub. Yeah, really big, uh, uh, or really enjoyed how this one went. Really liked that, how, how it went. I was uh, pleased with it. And I'm excited for, for my next one. Uh, next show match, showdown. Going to be happening uh, next month. Yeah, appreciate you having me on again. And yeah, it was a, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and hop in. <laughs> now that we're 16 minutes into the episode, let's hop into our first topic, <laughs> which is the Pokemon TCG Pocket uh, mobile game that was announced this morning. So yeah, for those who don't know, this morning, uh, I guess yesterday, if you're listening to this episode, the day that it comes out, was Pokemon Day. And every single year on Pokemon Day, they do a Pokemon Presents live stream where they show off a bunch of information about new upcoming games. Um, one thing I will say is something we talked about last week that we expected was information about the World Championship dates because that's what yeah. they gave us last year on Pokemon Day. And the year before. And the year before. And they did not give it to us. And so I've seen a lot of gripes and complaints from people on Twitter. And I think rightfully so of people being like, what the heck is going on? worlds is coming up people are this is a big trip for a lot of people people need to plan budget yeah. and you know book flights book hotels those things get more expensive the longer you wait why don't we know when the world championships is and we still don't know exactly when the world championships is yeah still have no clue when it's happening um i mean it's like we're, we're guessing it's gonna be in august right because it's been in august a lot maybe almost every year it's been August. There's probably been a year where it's been in July or maybe September. I would imagine um, at some point throughout uh, the history. I think every time I've ever gone to the world championships has been in August though. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But uh, any, I see this year actually did have a pretty big shift even back to it's like nationals days where it's actually at the beginning of June. Um, so that's actually a little bit different, which did lead me to think is like, maybe we will have worlds in July. Then if we're like having NAIC this soon, it's definitely possible because usually NAIC is the first week of July or a week or two into July. Um, so that's what I was something I was thinking would be possible maybe, but I think it'll probably still be in August. So there's going to be like a decent break then between, uh, between NAIC and worlds, but yeah, no dates yet. I would assume that means it'll probably be coming soon. And there were probably some hiccup that led them to not announce it with, Pokemon presents because they could because they've done it the last two years. Has it been more than two years, or is it just the last few years that they've done it? I think it's just the last couple of years. Is it just like post COVID that they started doing it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was the first so. time I remember seeing like play Pokemon related things in the Pokemon presents. Yeah, so that makes me assume that they would want to have done it again. There probably is just some hiccup that prevented it. So that means like hopefully in the next couple of weeks that they do come out with those dates because yeah, especially like for the people who are coming internationally, and there's going to be a lot of them um you know they want to get all their their stuff figured out uh but yeah there was a bunch of other announcements there was some stuff about some of the other mobile games pokemon go pokemon masters ex pokemon unite pokemon cafe remix the big announcement about pokemon tcg pocket we'll talk about here in just a moment but i think kind of the big overall announcement to the majority of pokemon fans was definitely a new 
Legends game, which is set to come out in 2025, which is Pokemon Legends Z to A, taking place back in Kalos. Uh, this is these are words that mean absolutely nothing to Azul. <laughs> well, I've heard the word uh, the the region Kalos before, but I think the the kind of big thing that uh, we I did get a few TCG people talking on Twitter after the fact was the little reveal at the very end of the Mega Evolution symbol. So, Mega Evolution returning to the main series games, and then the cards that we get in the Pokemon TCG are usually closely related to what happens in the Pokemon main series games. So. Yep. Is the stage being set for the potential return of Mega Pokemon in the TCG? Probably, right? I think, like, I don't know why we wouldn't get Mega Pokemon if it's like, going to be something that returns to the video games. Like, it just kind of makes sense. We've always kind of, like, had it. There's no reason for us not to get Megas. Um, so we'll probably be getting Megas, but this would be, like, um, man, I don't even know. It's 20... It's 2025. When would it be the wait, would it be the first set of 2025 in like January? It'll be probably mid 2025, most likely. Would it would it, would it be one of those situations where the first megas in that like when we got like Arceus as the first V star, right? Or wait, what am I thinking of? No, yeah. Um, or like when we had the the big cat Meowth V Max. Remember that as the first V Max. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are we gonna get That's a mega usually, like that? No, no. So like the Meowth. So what Azul's talking about is like whenever a new game mechanic releases, usually there's some like promo card that comes out before yeah. that becomes like the first uh, of that type to exist. Actually, I don't think they did that for EXs, did they? Um, Was there an EX that well, came that's out a little, before that's Scarlet a little... and Violet base set? Well, that one's different because it's like a new... They usually don't do it. Well, they did it with tag. Well, the tag teams was like in the middle of GXs, right? Remember because we got the Snorlax? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so like if we think back to like all the new game mechanics that came out, like G, I think back to GX Pokemon. The very first GX Pokemon that came out was Snorlax GX, and it came out a little bit before Sun and Moon base set, and it was like the first ever GX. Oh yeah, Pokemon so it did yeah. exist. And then Waylord came out, like you mentioned, Waylord and Magikarp tag team came out as a promo card. It was the first ever tag team Pokemon, and then for Pokemon. Uh, v Max, there was like a promo box that had <laughs> the Meowth yeah. V Max. It was <laughs> the remember... first V Max Pokemon. <laughs> Xander Perot was hyping up the Meowth, bro. <laughs> I remember him hyping it up on Twitter <laughs> before it dropped, and the card was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> and it, it didn't like these cards are like never out that long before like the main set of that mechanic drops, right? Yes, so, there's not that much time to like play them while no one else is playing them, but. Oh. Yeah, will we get will we get that for a mega you think that usually comes in january we maybe did get it for ex i wait i'd have to double check the release date i just went and, look, and looked at the ex filter here oh, on no PK we did get mimikyu ex before we did yeah the, i remember MimiQ this ex came out before scarlet and violet base set yeah i'm pretty sure because we were talking about playing it in guardy before we Buddy, got like guardy is part of scarlet oh, and violet oh okay come no on, i'm trolling man. i'm trolling i right, see i'm pretty sure it did because me. it's literally a scarlet violet promo and it's in here like what when i search on the ex filter this is in like release order and it's before spydops ex which is the first ex of scarlet valley base set all right so then probably it doesn't have it like on that page does it have it more information on the page at all or no i'm just gonna assume that it came out first okay i guess this yeah, is the first ex card of gen 9 to be available in international oh. markets boom there you go all right, there we go. So there, there always is, right? So that's the that's the point. There always is. So, but these always come out in January, right? It's like that's when these things drop, like, um, at some point in January. They or I guess January, February, 
at some point in that before the first major set of the year. So theoretically, we might get Megas in our March set um, after our long format. So we get our first Mega Pokemon. If the calendar in... stays the same, even like who knows yeah. what's going to happen next year, bro. <laughs> what do you think they would do with them, though? Do you think it would become like? Yeah, so I saw kind of an interesting post from. It'd be like Mega Guardi. Yeah, yeah, well, it's not interesting post from Jake Gearhart. You know, a lot of people were talking about how uh, they were talking about like the return of Spirit Links, right? Like the original yeah. way we saw Megas uh, were these evolving EX Pokemon. Spirit Links didn't even exist initially, but then eventually Spirit Links came out. You had to attach them, and then your turn wouldn't end. If you evolved a Mega without a Spirit Link on it, your turn would end. Like a, a super steep cost to put one of these things in play, right? Yeah. But then most recently, the way that Mega Pokemon existed in the TCG was on Tag Team Pokemon, and they were just oh, yeah, like featured right. as a regular thing. So, yeah, mm. I almost wonder if like... I mean, we could just see Megas, and they could it could be something it's... as simple as... I guess like in like it would just be it would just mega would just be in the name, but it wouldn't it wouldn't be like a new mechanic at all. It could just be as simple as a basic EX Pokemon, you know, kind of what yeah. we're seeing with Blood Moon Ursaluna. But I guess Blood Moon Ursaluna is a basic; it doesn't like ever evolve in the video games. So mm, interesting, yeah. It is kind of interesting. Uh, you know, Jake in this post was talking about you know level X's, the original Megas, Break Pokemon. I mean, they could go many many different ways with it for sure. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't really think I forgot about that fact that like tag team like Mega is just like the way the Pokemon looks and like there was Mega Pokemon in the tag teams. I never thought about it like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, it really remember, is remember you know, tag teams were all basic Pokemon, right? Yeah, yeah, so they could be basics. Pokemon that were evolutions in the game. But like, so for example, Tyranitar well, GX, Mega's... because it's on a tag team, it was a basic Pokemon. But regular Tyranitar GX also existed and it was a stage two Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. How, so, do, how do Megas work in the video game? Like, yeah. So in the video game, it, I mean, it's just like the Pokemon that it is. It has an item equipped, a Mega Stone, or oh, you know, in the TCG we have the Spirit Link. In the video game, the, this is one of the biggest questions. Like, I've this this is something that I have thought about for years and years, and it just makes no sense. Why in the trading card game were the items that had to be equipped to your Pokemon so that they could mega evolve? Why are they called spirit links? Why are they not called mega stones? It just made yeah. it's like the most easy one-to-one -one translation from the video game they could have possibly made. And they're like, no, spirit link, because that's a thing that <laughs> people should do. And they went, yeah, because you'd go, you'd evolve from like your Manetric EX into Mega Manetric EX um, or something like that. Yeah, that is weird. And that's why, how Mega why, Evolution why works, right? It's like for a short time, your, uh, you know, your Manectric in the video game can become a Mega Manectric for like the duration of a battle, pretty much. Yeah, interesting. So I guess there's, yeah, there's definitely, I guess there's like a lot of ways they could take it, right? They could even do like a, a break style card for anyone who doesn't know what breaks do. Um, I think the one up there in Jake's post was uh, Zorark Break. So it's basically like another evolution to the card, um, but you could utilize everything on the card as far as attacks and abilities go, and then everything on the, the previous stage of it. But like Zorark Break evolved, effectively evolved from Zorark. Um, the most famous break ever is like Greninja Break. Yeah. Um, which is like, with Greninja Break, you're effectively evolving to like a stage four Pokemon, right? Oh, stage three. Um, or... Yeah, stage three. I'm sorry. Yeah, stage three. You go basic, stage one, stage two. And then even once you're at the stage two, to break it, you still have to wait a turn 
and then you break evolve it and then you get the all the uh, effects on the break as well as what's on the stage two pokemon so uh, break pokemon were pretty cool i was a big fan of break pokemon so they could do that like that what if they even added like because like you said megas only last so long i guess i've never really done that in pokemon um in the tcg like there's there's so many effects in the video Well, they game. last for the duration yeah. of a battle right oh it lasts the whole battle yeah so oh, was, like, you know little, canonically wasn't there, like, it would make sense wasn't like v maxing didn't that only last like for three turns or something that is true yeah Dynamaxing maxing did only last for three turns i guess they never did that with us but they, that's something they could add to the pokemon tcg where it's like when you break your break only stays in play for like three turns and then it de-breaks or something or de-megas i guess yeah but then they're gonna have to make us have like a counter or something like yeah, that. yeah yeah can you imagine the judge rules about <laughs> my opponent's you know mu g max was in play for <laughs> two turns but they say it was in play for three turns I think it'll be that i think we could handle it i think we'd handle we could it. probably handle it maybe i'm selling i'm selling that. everyone short there yeah i i don't think they'll do it probably especially because you said megas last the whole battle right yeah so, or maybe they i mean they could do something we can you can only make a one pokemon in a battle yes maybe that'd be something see that's different mega the ccg was different in that because you could mega as many as you want yeah. but they could change that i'm sure that'll be the same way in the the vg or in the video game you can only do one mega per battle or whatever so we can maybe we'll maybe get something like that that's possible or we can only make one mega a game. You have like a mega Listen, token. Man, we still don't even know how that Wait, Ogre that... Pond thing is going to work. And then after that... Ogre Pond, we get Terrapagos. True. Whatever that is. Zul's <laughs> um, never even heard of that. Maybe maybe, maybe that's going to be our like new token. A, it, it becomes a new type. It's the Stellar type. So that's a thing that could come to the TCG. Well, that's a, Oh, we could get a new type? Well, we it's called the Stellar type, type which is just, it's just like all the types. Oh, I don't think we need that. Well, unless it's like exclusively for one Pokemon, then it's like fine. It is exclusively for one Pokemon. Oh, okay. Wait, no, it's not. It's not. I'm trolling. It's not. Oh, okay. Well, that might get complicated in the TCG. <laughs> Hopefully, it's just for one Pokemon in the TCG. But maybe that maybe this was like, yeah, maybe that'll be our next marker. Will be a Mega Marker. Like you get to Mega once a game, flip your Mega Marker, make one of your Pokemon to a Mega. But yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see. That is not going to be for a little while, right? At least 2025. Could it? Would, would it ever be in 2026? Do we ever wait until 2026? No, Probably not, I right? It'll it. be 2025, right? I doubt it. All speculation, I, though, at this point. All speculation. Yeah. I mean, I think like it's not hard to like know we're getting megas. Like, I think we're probably getting <laughs> megas. I mean, I think I guess we could not, but I think it's a pretty good guess. Well, I think the biggest thing that the listeners of our podcast are going to be most excited about in regards to Pokemon Day and Pokemon Presents uh, was the announcement of a brand new Pokemon trading card game mobile game called Pokemon Trading Card Game Pocket, which is set to come out. Uh, it just said coming in 2024. Sometime this year, we're getting this game. Well, um, there could be a delay. And when I watched it, okay, why is that your first reaction? There could be a delay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pokemon Sleep took forever, right? That's what someone mentioned in my chat. I, like... <laughs> I guess that's true. Um, I'm hoping there's not. I don't want there to be a delay. I'm just saying. And I, I've got to admit, when I, I watched, I woke up and watched the, or not woke up, but like this morning, I watched the uh, live stream whenever this was happening. And when I watched the beginning of this clip, this video, and then this kid's phone lights up and it said, you got a pack. I was like fist pumping, dude. I was so amped, so excited. What do you I'm think like, it was going to be? What is this? Huh? <laughs> oh, you, you, I was going to say, what do you think it was going to be? You just, like, just, you just got it excited? Gonna be, it was something trading card game related. I saw yeah. all these boosters flying around. It's Genetic Apex is the name of the set. Genetic Apex okay. Mewtwo. And it starts opening. He, the kid opens the pack. First off, 
something that I think TCG Live just never got right is like the satisfaction of opening packs. It does not feel good to open packs on TCG Live. It felt way more fun to open up packs on TCGO than it does on TCG Live. I feel like part of that is probably the credit system, right? You just hope you just wish everything was a credit, anyways. So like you don't care what the cards are anymore. But like you're excited quickly, to get good cards in uh, PDCGO because then you didn't have to go trade your packs, your other packs. Yeah, that's probably part of it. But I mean, just the opening system just felt better. I don't know. Reveal of all the cards, and then you got to click your you know good cards one <laughs> at a time at the very end. I don't know. But this this feels okay, you know. Uh, and then as things started to go through, I was like, those cards all look kind of funny. Yeah. What are these like diamond symbols? And then, you know, they get into it. They show you more of the packs and stuff like that. They show you cards that don't exist. I kind of knew that this was going to be something different from the regular Pokemon TCG. As soon as I saw this Moltres EX that had 140 HP. Yeah, that was like very... the first thing I saw. I was like, mm, OK, so this is going to be something like a little different. Yeah, so and uh, basically, for those who don't know what this game is, it's like a collecting game, and there are Pokemon battles in it as well. Quick battles is what they called it. Um, and the interface looks pretty similar to TCG Live, to be honest, from the brief yeah. clips that they showed. But there's actually kind of a lot to dissect here with this game, but uh, or with this like kind of image that we can see here. Um, but yeah, first off, I just think like, this overall feels like uh, is it's a little bit less exciting for someone like me and Azul. You know, we like the competitive aspect of the TCG. You know, we were hoping for something a little bit better than TCG Live. It's a game that's had plenty and plenty of problems. Um, but I think that this is a game that is made for a little bit different of an audience than me and Azul. But, you know, as someone who still likes Pokemon cards, uh, you best believe I will be playing this game a lot still. <laughs> yeah i mean i'll definitely pick it up and try it out as well especially if like the, the competitive or like the the gameplay interactions are still good and there is still like some strategy to the to the actual game it doesn't just feel like you're playing a bunch of theme decks or something like that um but it is all like built around like this it's like the same pokemon mechanics but it's played differently right um you still have hp you still do damage for energy attached to your pokemon um, but like the Gardevoir card references like an energy pool, right? Energy as opposed zone. to energy zone, as opposed to like attaching energy for turn. Um, and then I think someone, or I think I saw people mentioning that you only have to, in, instead of prize cards, you just have to take three knockouts, right? Yeah. Um, there's like counters here below the hand, above the hand right here that show you like how be... many knockouts you've scored as opposed to prize cards yeah it'd be kind of funny if on top of not drawing not having prize cards which a lot of people bring up as something they don't like about the pokemon tcg which i don't think is actually that bad i think the prize card thing is fine so and then if they also give you a mulligan an optional mulligan in the game <laughs> it's like all, <laughs> all these things, things that, that it, have like been wanting yeah it's like all these things that it feels like other card games have already kind of like it's like something that pokemon feels like maybe it's a little bit behind on no optional mulligan um the prize card mechanic i don't think is that bad and even we see like newer card games like one piece effectively has like a prize card mechanic right there's cards you take out of your deck that you don't interact with it's a little bit more potential punishing in pokemon because you see so many cards in pokemon that you theoretically would be able to access those cards if they weren't in your yeah prize cards whereas like one piece it's like who knows if you'd ever see those cards anyways so it's right, like exactly <clears throat> so a little bit different with that comparison but uh the optional mulligan thing would be interesting if they have that as well but yeah it's like a 
it feels like I mean it's trying to do a lot of things, right? It's supposed to be like this collecting game where you're collecting cards that just don't exist in real life. It's all these digital exclusive cards and you can trade and then they put like a little bit of a battle simulator with the cards together where you can battle people online with them in a game that uses the Pokemon TCG mechanics but has cards that don't actually exist in the like actual physical Pokemon TCG card game. Yeah. I saw someone on Twitter say this feels like a spiritual successor to the original Game Boy Pokemon TCG game yeah. from like way back in the day. Uh, and yeah, to me, this this almost feels like <laughs> Pokemon's version of Duel Links, to be honest, because Duel Links for Yu-Gi-Oh! is a simplified version of the regular Yu-Gi-Oh! battle. You know, it's about instead of, you know, five zones, you have three zones instead in this game of having five bench spaces. You have three bench spaces. You play with a smaller deck size. We are assuming based on the fact that, you know, you have a smaller bench, you have to take less prize cards. Um, there are digital exclusive cards. And it, one thing I will say about the digital exclusive cards with immersive cards here, like the, the, it does look like they're kind of latching onto the facts. I think like the development of a, trading card a digital trading card game that is tied to a physical card game is going to just be much more limited right because what you do yeah. in the digital card game has to be tied directly to what is actually happening in the real world but when you disconnect the two things you get a lot more freedom as the digital you know game developer and we've seen that they're already kind of doing that with these immersive cards obviously something that could never possibly exist in real life but is super cool and unique for the digital game yeah um and we can't wait to. Uh, I joked about this on uh, my stream earlier. I was like, imagine if they. Uh, it's a good thing none of this is like NFT based. We don't need the crypto bros involved. Um, yeah. But I'm sure well, we'll. You can uh, trade we'll the there. cards. I wonder if you have to be like in person to trade with people. Yeah, I'm not sure. But I'm sure we'll That's get that. That's how it is in on, uh, You have to be within a certain distance of people to trade with them. Yeah, I'm sure the crypto bros, the NFT heads, will put their two cents on this as the how much better it could be if it was all in the blockchain. <laughs> um. But the yeah, one thing like a... I'll say about this kind of based on what we've seen so far is I the, kind of my main concern is that this is going to be something that people try out for a little bit. They maybe collect their two free packs a day uh, because that is something that they advertise. You get two packs a day at no cost. So this implies that there is a way to have a cost <laughs> that you can buy <laughs> packs. Yeah. Um I'll talk more about that in a second. But the thing I'm most worried about is that this just becomes like a fun thing that people do for a minute and then they just move on. Uh, and I think that something that Duel Links did that no Pokemon TCG game has done since the original Pokemon TCG Game Boy game is uh, really have a story mode to play through. I mean, TCGO had kind of a little bit of a story mode. There was like, you know, AI trainers you could play against, but it was pretty limited and pretty brief. Um there's nothing like that in TCG Live, and we've seen nothing like that in this yet, which I think is the biggest disappointment. I think it would be more interesting uh, as opposed to playing against other people, honestly. Like, if they're going to do, like, an abbreviated TCG game like this, I think it would be more interesting if they just made it a single-player experience. Um, I could see it. I mean, I think having both, because, like, Duel Links was, well, yeah, wasn't sure. just a story mode, right? It was both, right? You do have both in Duel Links, yes. You can fight yeah. computers... Uh, I think like both follow a story, cool. collect and earn stuff, and then also play against people. Coming up with cool, was like the Duel Links like 
campaign mode, single player mode, whatever? Was it difficult? Like, was there, did you like? No, not incredibly. I, mm-hmm. I, there was, I went through a phase a couple years ago where I like played a lot of Duel Links for like two weeks as someone who like never really played Yu Gi Oh before. And I got pretty into it for about two weeks and then kind of moved on. Um, I just worry that that's like what's going to happen to a lot of people with this. And and Duel Links at least had like that story mode that I could just, you know, queue up and play a few games. I in those two weeks, I probably only played like less than 10 battles against real people. You know, I was mostly just playing the regular story, collecting the cards, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm the, like a lot of people. What I saw a lot of people talking about with this is how it feels. I don't know. People just seemed like like almost like mad or frustrated at its existence in the fact that it looks better than PTCG live. Um, and because of that might like all of a sudden become better than PTCG live in terms of, um, I, don't know, I guess taking away what PTCG live currently has. I do think like if this is really big, I think it, the only thing it'll do is help PTCG live in its growth. And you know, if it's okay, then I think it will cut into like the super casual base of PTCG live players. Like the people who like, are like, oh, they figure out it exists. And they're like, oh, I'm going to go try that because it exists. They're going to go to this instead of PTCG Live, right? But the yeah. people who open a pack and get a code card, they're still coming to PTCG Live. Anyone who's like super competitive in the Pokemon TCGs is still going to be on PTCG Live. Anyone who wants to be competitive is still going to be on PTCG Live. So I, think it's gonna, I don't think it's going to do too much in terms of PTCG Live is like current growth or potential. Um, if anything, there's a potential for it to add like a big boost to PTCG Live more so than hurt it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of neutral on it. The only thing that I'd be annoyed at is if they have like a ranked ladder and we still don't have a ranked ladder. That's the only thing I'd be annoyed by is if their battle system has a ranked ladder and PTCG Live doesn't. Um, Besides that, I don't, I don't, I personally just don't really care. I don't think this really affects PTCG Live in, in too many ways. This is 1000% without a doubt. Like, I think undeniably this is going to create market confusion, right? People are going to see the existence of this game. This game is going to be much more marketed. This game is going to be much more out there because it is made by the Pokemon Company, not the Pokemon Company International. It's made yeah. by the Pokemon Company. Uh, There's a big difference here as well, yeah. Yeah, this two is... different companies running two, two card game clients built around the Pokemon. Yeah, so people are going to see this game exists. They're going to open up their Pokemon TCG pack. They're going to see this code card. It's like, oh, I can get a digital <laughs> pack. They're going to go open up their TCG pocket app, and they're like, what the heck am I supposed to do with this thing? There's no way to redeem my code card. The sets <laughs> don't look the same. The cards are totally different. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a little bit of a disaster here waiting to happen, honestly. Um, Actually, I didn't even think about that in that in terms of that. The, what'd you call it? Product confusion? Yeah, consumer confusion. I don't remember <laughs> what I exactly said. but Is that like, a real term? probably <laughs> market confusion you're not the marketing genius that we thought you were chip you don't even know what the terms I took are marketing 101 when i was in college okay, okay. I, I retained a little bit of information like uh market confusion <laughs> market confusion <laughs> or consumer confusion if you, yeah whatever i said consumer I, confusion. I mean it's almost like a dude it's literally this is like we versus we you thing yeah like, no, I, like I, I didn't even think about it like to, that but i agree you talk to just a random person on the street today they like have no idea what the heck a Wii U is, but they know what a Wii is, right? Like yeah. it's just like it's too similar, man. It's too probably one of those things. The same thing. I mean, if you mentioned a Wii U to them, they'll probably think it's the Wii that they. Remember. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't even. The yeah. 
which yeah. is exactly what's going to happen here. <clears throat> Have you played the Pokemon card game on your phone? Oh yeah, you can yeah, get your packs or whatever from your two free you know, packs every your day. QR, <laughs> your two free codes a day. No, the other Pokemon card game on your phone. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that. I think you are right though. That will that there will definitely be some confusion with that. Um, and there won't be like, uh, and that actually kind of sucks for PTCG Live, I guess. Or like, it would have been nice if PTCG Live was like the home for people who are interested in the trading card game side of Pokemon. Um, if this thing really blows up, though, I think it could only help like Pokemon communities in general. I think we saw I something agree. similar happen with Pokemon Go, right? Pokemon Go was huge, and there was a lot of people who gained interest in Pokemon. And then they wanted to try out the card game or the video game or, you know, any of that. And then they got more or that's where like the Pokemon Go competitive scene came from. So Pokemon Go did a lot for the growth of Pokemon in general. Um, this, I don't know if it has that same potential as Pokemon Go. Um, I mean, that kind of feels like it was a once in a generation. It's going to be really hard to thing. recapture the magic of Pokemon yeah, Go. Yeah, that feels like a once in a generation type kind of thing or even like once in a like lifetime um i don't know it happened with pokemon go and then a year later later it happened with fortnite i think those are a little bit different though right maybe not is that like a like a, i just mean as far as so I, just like gaming things that became like the as mainstream as mainstream could be really yeah true true that's true we're kind of just waiting on the next one of those i guess maybe this is it in a little while no <laughs> as long as fortnite been out <laughs> yeah true yeah i don't think this will be that big so i don't think we're gonna get like that just like natural huge impact on the pokemon community like we got from pokemon go but there could be some like kind of bleed off from it we'll see when when the tide comes in all ships rise right uh, that's yeah exactly good good uh good one did that come from your marketing 101 <laughs> i i don't know man <laughs> i've heard it somewhere in my life i definitely didn't come up with it <laughs> yeah um so I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything. I don't think I have anything else to say about the the. Uh, was it? Yeah, I don't think there was 1%. any other gameplay mechanics to mention. I mean, everything had uh, plus twenty uh, weakness, no resistance as well. Yeah. Um, but the core gameplay seems to be intact. Uh, you see a single trainer card. We there, did I saw see some in the hand. Few trainer cards, like the okay, one is right one here. of the first people opened up a Brock out of their pack it's a trainer oh, card so it's wait, a that, supporter that it says take one fighting energy from your energy zone and attach it to your golem or onyx it's pretty broken that pikachu is a base set artwork pikachu i just realized that is another so thing about this is that they is are that what it did they're introducing a bunch of like most of these artworks exist some in some yeah, other capacity too. uh there are some unique ones like this moltres i think is unique the charizard obviously looked new and unique the pikachu but there's like, uh, where is it? I think it was in the gameplay bit. You can see this, uh, this Kangaskhan in the background right here. This, let me see if I can find it. It is like, um, if you look up like most expensive Pokemon cards. That's it. That uh, this is like the number two one is this Kangaskhan card which was given as a, let me, I literally just Googled most expensive Pokemon card. Uh, and this is, wait, I just saw it. Number eight. It's the Kangaskhan Hollow Family Event Trophy. It was never available at retail. In 1998, there was a Japanese tournament called the Kangaskhan Family Event, which pitted parent-child teams against one another. If you <laughs> won a high number of games, you received this card as a prize, which depicts a Kangaskhan with a baby Kangaskhan in its pouch. Jim Mint in 2023 sold for $175,000. Sheesh. 
So now and we just got to get it out it of the game. It exists right there in this mobile game. <laughs> yeah, there it is. That's kind of cool. Um, I mean, if this if the thing is competitive, all definitely like if this thing is like if there's any if it's competitive at all and doesn't just feel if there's like there's any depth to it. Yeah, it doesn't feel just like Pokemon for babies or like theme decks. Then I'll probably stream it a decent amount to be honest. Like, especially if there is, even though I'll be disappointed if there is a ranked ladder, then that's like more incentive. Well, it, you might have to, <laughs> you'll have to get a setup to uh, stream from your phone or whatever. Yeah, and I'll have to figure that out. It's a mobile out. game. I, mean, I think you can. There's like you can like plug in, plug the phone into the PC. I think you can like. Yeah, there's definitely there's pretty easy ways to do it for sure. You're you're yeah. a smart lad. You'll figure it out. Yeah, it shouldn't be too difficult. But yeah, that's uh, Pokemon TCG Pocket. Um, I guess the other thing would be um, one concern I did see. So one of the companies that's involved in making this game is the company that also develops Pokemon Masters EX. And I don't know that much about Pokemon Masters EX. I've never downloaded it, never played it. Uh, but it's another mobile game. And I have heard that it is extremely cash grabby, what it feels like uh, to like really play the game adequately you basically have to spend money on it. So, yeah. I mean, this does advertise you get two packs a day at no cost. But, you know, two packs have, what, like six or so cards it looked like in them. You know, that's a lot. It's going to take you a week or so to build a whole deck. Yeah, I mean, I guess like the big thing for that would just be like, that means they would be trying to make it more around playing than collecting if um, to try and like incentivize the microtransactions, right? Like, I'm sure the people who want to collect it all probably would still probably spend money on it but if you get two free packs a day like you'll get there eventually are you gonna spend money on it as well no probably not well if it makes that big of a competitive difference like initially then i i, I may I maybe would to be honest off the rip pay to win buddy pay to win that's it i'm trying to get rank one before anyone else even <laughs> has cards um yeah i guess like that means i mean i that would like the if there's if there's not really like a rank ladder or anything to play the game there has to be a ranked ladder then, right? Because then what is the incentive to actually get good cards or different cards? There's like none. Gotta catch them all, buddy. Yeah. I mean, that'd be the thing, I guess. But like... It's just a collect-a-thon game. Yeah, but then I, I don't think you can really like... Like, it feels like it's... I mean, I don't even know what the Pokemon Masters EX game is like, to be honest. So. Oh, I know nothing about it. Yeah, me either. So people call it cash grabby, but like, I don't know what the game is like, so I can't really like comment on it, to be honest, too much. But... Yeah, I mean, people want to spend the money to just collect the cards digitally. I mean, you should know what you're getting into, like, or just don't play it. Well, that is the Pokemon Presents. That is the Pokemon Trading Card Game Pocket coming later this year. Um, yeah, Azul and I will definitely both be checking it out. So I'm sure most of the people listening to this will be checking it out as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, good, good and bad, I think, but mostly good, right? Mostly good. Yeah, mostly good. Can't complain. More stuff on the horizon. Never. I the, one, the thing I said on Twitter is like I never expect to see anything trading card game related in the Pokemon Presents. So like the fact that there was something, and that that one of my biggest questions for a long time, you know, with, with the last couple of years, well, TCG Live has been so uh, such a train wreck. Has been like, why does Japan not just want to make a trading card game? Uh, and they're finally right. doing it. Not exactly yeah. how I would have uh, hoped Likes, for it, but. Yeah. You know, still, we, I'm gonna play it before I pa uh, cast too much judgment for sure. Yeah, we have to assume that they never, they they definitely don't plan to do one because like like it's TPCI and the Pokemon Company are like they're like a company together. Like they're not like 
super separated. They work together, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not, I think like it's not like it's not like tomorrow. The company is going to come out with a client is super successful, and they see the potential of because like um, Yu-Gi-Oh Master Duel came after Duel Links, right? Yeah. So I think, actually I was going to say that actually I think this the idea for this and this probably got started immediately after Duel Links dropped, like for the Pokemon Pocket. That long ago, you think? Duel Links came out in like 2018, 19? I mean, that, they probably they were probably like, all right, what are we doing? Like immediately when they saw Duel Links, they're probably like, okay, we need to make our own fake, fake Pokemon game. Like they made the fake Yu-Gi-Oh game. You know, like they were just like... Duel Links released in 2016. Sheesh. You think they've been working on this thing for eight years? Maybe like not physically, like the actual <laughs> coding of it, but maybe like the, the con, uh, conceiving what they wanted to be able to like make it into and working on it, right? For sure. Since that has dropped, they probably have been working on it and to some extent. Would be my guess. Well, um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel Links came before Master Duel. And Master Duel, from what I understand, is like an incredible way to play like competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! online. Like the, the game is just yeah. like awesome for the Yu-Gi-Oh community um so you know theoretically there's a path there where it's like tcg pocket becomes extremely successful is very popular and then they see the potential for it and then they're like okay we'll invest in make a uh online version of this game you know that, that two, path does exist then we have two we have ptcg live no and... i but i think i think like if that happens um TCG Live just big, dies. Big Pikachu, the Pokemon company, you know, talks to, you know, little TPCI. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know, this little pet you have, it's not really doing too well. It's kind of sick. You know, there comes a time <laughs> where you have to make a mature decision. Uh, you know, and this pet that you've been nursing along, you know, it's it's sick. It's old. It's not living a good life. We... <laughs> We've just gotta, we've gotta make this tough call as a family. <laughs> and then they go out back, <laughs> and they come back inside, but TCG Live does not. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't see them. That's the future of the <laughs> online Pokemon trading card game. That would feel pretty wild if they just kind of like led TPCI along this whole time, being like, "Yeah, you make the client, you got this. We're not going to do anything with it. We're not going to touch it. You got it." And then they were just like, like two years from now, there's like, "And PTCG Live number two is on the way." <laughs> like that would be kind of wild. Like I, I do see PTCG Live like as long as the Pokemon can, Pokemon TCG continues to like thrive and exist for a long time. I do see PTCG Live getting replaced in like 10 years, the way PTCGO did eventually, right? Yeah. It's like, it's just time to overall over, overhaul everything, come out with something new and fresh, start from the ground up. But it's not so much to like replace it. It's just like the only way that we can go forwards aggressively and become like competitive and have like a, um, you know, something that makes sense in the current day and age just to like start from the ground up and like redo it, right? Um, like I kind of made an example on my, my stream earlier like for anyone who follows esports like they came out with uh counter-strike 2 recently to replace csgo and csgo has been around for like 12 years but it's like at some point it's not like they're trying to replace csgo but it's just like at some point to like do something new and fresh like you kind of gotta 
you it's, it is a replacement of it but it's not in the way where it's like we're trying to replace it it's like it needs to be replaced it's just yeah. like to actually overwatch be able to progress two, right yeah like, well that's literally just overwatch so that was a little different <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, they just made you buy overwatch again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one's different but yeah it's not like to it's not like call of duty where they come with a new call of duty every year they don't need to come out with a new call of duty every year they just do it but yeah, yeah like eventually like pdcgo eventually had to be replaced for it to like actually be able to like you know hold like a candle to what we currently have in the current day and age we just need to start from the ground up again and that was pdcg live and it didn't quite make the cut or where we need to be but like 10 years from now like pdcg live being replaced with a new client would probably just kind of make sense eventually you know all the new technology and stuff that is hard to like implement to the current one is uh going to be changed but uh yeah if it happened in like one or two years that would be kind of crazy if pdcg or tpc was just like all right play the chip scenario and then <laughs> take yeah, we can go ahead and go back and go ahead and move on uh yeah our next topic here just a little bit of an update to something we talked about a few uh months ago so a couple months ago there was this like press statement or something like that sent out to play pokemon stores from the pokemon company international in regards to selling you know pokemon organized play or play pokemon products and cards and things like that so you know the cards from the pop series packs the um gosh what are they called the play packs what are they called now prize packs the prize packs yeah i just totally blanked on like what the heck those things are called the prize packs uh and even things like regionals mats and stuff like that and there was just like this blanket statement put out that was like you know items from i, I think like the pokemon company's intention was like the prize packs, the play Pokemon packs and stuff like that. And the cards for them stores cannot sell them. Uh, but then everyone was like, well, what about the pop things from like years and years ago? What about the regionals play mats, the regionals promos, all these things like that, that we as vendors at tournaments buy and stuff like that. There was like this big gray area. People didn't understand. Well, Pokemon sent something out to um, sent out a guideline for the sale of play Pokemon products to stores and leagues this week. This was shared on Twitter by Rahul Reddy, who got it from Justin Bean, who in the reply said he got it from the area coordinator. So a uh, little game of telephone here to get this information. Uh, but yeah, some more direct uh, guidelines about what is meant to be sold and what can and can't be sold. So basically, you know, the old stuff, the, the Pokemon organized play, the pop, series promos and stuff like that those can be sold anything prior to prize packs um play pokemon prize packs can never be sold by stores no matter how they obtain them um league stamped promos can be sold three years from their copyright date starting in 2025 and then there's some more guidelines here about pre-release promos league prizing other marketing materials and then non-league championship series items is this last bit here kind of behind azul's face uh non-league championship series items no embargo can be bought and sold upon release so that would be things like the regionals play mats and promos right yeah yeah um i mean i guess it's like just good for them to have like a guideline some of these years some of these dates are like super far out though right like um like the pre-release staff promo stuff three years from copyright date when is the copyright date for that is that literally like the year they would be printed is that what yes. that means yeah, that three years afterwards, they can't sell them. Like, because they're not meant to be like, sold. Oh, yeah. I mean, but it's like, I guess it's just like, it feels so weird to like babysit stores over this stuff when it's like, if someone comes in, it's like, hey, I would like to sell you my pre release staff promo. And they're just like, we can't buy that. Well, I guess you could buy it. You just can't sell it. Right. 
Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It just feels so weird to like babysit stores like this. I think if well, there was like you got to draw the line complaints. somewhere, right? You got to yeah, draw the line I, somewhere. I feel like it could become it could be on a case to case basis where it's like, all right, um, you know, players who are showing up to the league aren't getting their prize packs or whatever prize packs aren't being given out how they should be. Then it's like, okay, then does, they should crack down on those stores individually. This just feels like so weird and like babysitting over like the stores. I don't know. I just feel like. I don't know, it just feels weird. Like we're all adults. I, don't know, I feel like we could handle it. Yeah, but the problem weird. is, is like when there aren't guidelines and stuff like that, people do t- try to take advantage of them, right? Um, you know. Yeah. It's I don't easy. Know. It's easy to catch a store selling prize packs. Sure. Right. Yep. Can't do that. But it's a little harder to catch a store selling, uh, opening up their prize packs and selling the cards out of the prize packs, right? Because who's yeah, to say how they obtain those cards? They gave them out at league. They bought them from their their players. Does it even list? Does it even list prize pack cards? Yeah, though? league stamped promo prize packs and oh, okay, okay, I see. It they there. cannot no, yeah. sell league stamped promo cards, which are prize pack cards. Yes, yeah, okay, three years okay. from the copyright date, which would be yeah. when they rotate out of the standard format. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess like the. I say we're all adults here, but it is the adults who like were making this difficult. We're being difficult about this and doing this kind of stuff that put us put them in the position where they just want to have like a no. Um, what's the thing? No something policy. What's the word I'm looking for? No. Whatever. Uh, They're basically. Um, the word's out there. It exists. They're basically not trying to put up with any BS. Like it's like, all right, we're just like, this is it. You guys put yourselves here. So now this is the rules. Um, but yeah, I guess they're shutting it down. I mean, I guess maybe it makes sense, but it kind of, it's, I don't know, it's just weird. That's why, like, it feels like it'd be better to have it on a case by case basis because you kind of like making everything more difficult and ruin things for like other people. So some people are allowed to sell the promos they buy, but some people aren't because because somebody opened up a bunch of prize packs. Yeah. Yeah. Which feels weird, but like, I don't know. I guess maybe this is, this is the best way to solve it, especially maybe it's like worse than I think it is. Like, maybe they have people investigating this stuff in the background it's like well there's like they were finding out some random store in like kansas or something like that was just like they were getting shipments of thousands of prize packs and they were just ripping them all open selling them on tcg player yeah especially if the number was high enough of stores doing that like if they're if it's like up to like 30 percent, that's a pretty big number that are like breaking the rules right Uh, maybe if it was lower in like the five percent range then it's like okay maybe they would go out of their way to handle it on a case-by-case basis but if it is just high enough maybe it's just like all right we just don't want to deal with this and we're going to shut it down. And if you're going to break the rules, we're just going to take it away from you. Yeah. Which I guess it's fine. It probably doesn't hurt the, the stores, you know, like potential profits or anything by that much. Anyways, I would hope not. Anyways, I hope they're not living off of <laughs> opening prize. <packs>. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that's not the difference maker here, but um, yeah, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. Yeah. My initial impression on this is this feels like weird. Um, in general, but I don't know, like how like this kind of business stuff type works and stuff like works anyway. Like if this is like common practice for like other situations like this with other, yeah, most places cannot because this is promotional product, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm wondering that like like for like I don't know, do, do you're about magic to say have does this... magic do X? Yeah, thing? does magic and Yu Gi Oh <laughs> have these problems with stores like not using product how they're supposed to be using product in certain ways, like promotional product or stuff like that? I guess like maybe it's pretty common that this stuff happens just in general in uh in different games or just kind of in kind of like the marketing space i guess more so in general that this is like they are like promotional items right yeah 
no yeah i mean it definitely happens uh but i would say like the major so like i would guess and i think this is a pretty safe guess like the majority of stores just do with the play packs what they're supposed to do right yeah i would hope so yeah they give them to their league participants they give them to people who place well in tournaments and don't even do anything about opening it uh there are some stores out there probably a very small percent that just keep all of it don't give anything to their players and they just sell the sealed packs rip them open do whatever and there's probably also some stores out there who do a little bit of both right give out enough to not seem suspicious but keep back you know maybe 10 percent of the product they receive open them up sell some make a little bit of extra money on the side um yeah i don't know there's a, a little bit of all of that going on i would assume but you know most people in the space i think are good actors and <laughs> doing what they are supposed to do overall yeah yeah well now people know for sure how to tackle it moving forward got that all squared away and with that being said as well we can move on to the next segment of the podcast but before we do we do need to take a moment to thank our fantastic sponsor dragon shield for supporting us here on the uncommon energy podcast of course dragon shield makes some of the best card gaming and tabletop gaming products and accessories on the market including sleeves binders deck boxes and so much more yeah yeah shout out to dragon shield as always they actually sent us some of their latest um what am I thinking of colors? <laughs> it's a green and a purple. It's the power and soul. I haven't opened them up myself yet. I've not cracked mine um, either. They look pretty nice. I'm a big fan of purple in general, to be honest. I'm actually a, a big purple fan. So I actually might rock the souls at the next regional. I guess for me, it's not for a while. It's not until Vancouver. But yeah, they got some new some new colors out there. So make sure you go check them out over at uh, Dragon Shield. Com. As always, you can use code UEPOD to get yourself a discount over there as well. And it directly supports us here on the podcast. Uh, link, of course, will be in the description. So make sure you go check them out over there, dragonshield.com. Yeah, big thanks as always to Dragon Shield for supporting us. Go check out the new dual metallic colors. That is the thing about these as well is they're like, they've got like a shine to them. So I'm really excited to uh, check them out, try them out myself. Use that code UEPOD. Get yourself 5% off. We get a little bit of kickback from that. So appreciate you guys supporting us and also getting yourselves some awesome sleeves to protect your Pokemon TCG decks. And uh, with that being said, as well, we can move on to everyone's favorite segment of the podcast guess that flavor <sighs> text. Here we go again. Each week, Azul or I picks a card reads the flavor text from it, and has the other host try to guess which Pokemon is featured on that card. If you get it right, you get four points, and there are three lifelines you can utilize to make it a little easier for yourself to try to guess what the Pokemon is, but for each lifeline you use, you lose one of those four points, so you can earn anywhere from one to four points for getting a correct guess. And then the lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and read an attack name last week your boy was able to lock down two more points boosting my lead all the way up 21 to 11 a 10 point lead azul oh my gosh dude that's <laughs> crazy all right i'm ready chip hit me with my comeback card right here where am i gonna have some ground with yes we will see what you can do here we go my turn this week and your card is all here's the flavor text in the distant past, 
it was somewhat stronger than the horribly weak descendants that exist today. Oh my gosh. Well, it sounds like it's some kind of like fossil type Pokemon, but aren't all fossil Pokemon fossil Pokemon? <laughs> like, like they're all fossils. So I don't know. Is there like a, ah, that one's tough. All right. So the reason stages one are Chiapsazul? Uh, stage two. Okay. So it's not, they're not all, what do you mean? They're all fossils. Well, they're like Archaeops is, uh, you might not know this, but Archaeops is a fossil Pokemon. Yeah, but it doesn't, don't they just like not exist anymore? What are you talking Isn't about? That... Well, Archaeops fossils. is like a year old. No, no, no. What I'm saying is like, it's in... an extinct Pokemon. Yeah, they're extinct. Well, not this one. Well, so it's a fossil Pokemon? In the distant me? past, it was somewhat stronger than the horribly weak descendants that exist today. That's what I'm saying. This is like tough for me to figure out. Um, all right, so I'm going to need uh, to use some lifelines here for sure, I think, because I can't. I'm not coming up with anything on this. Uh, so I guess we'll just start with what set the card is from. It's from Ancient Origins. Okay, so I'm just going to go ahead and guess this is a fossil Pokemon. Um ancient origins but i don't remember what's in ancient origins to be honest wait, wait ancient origins isn't that like is there is that is there a hoopa in there why am i thinking of hoopa with ancient hoopa origins? ex came yeah, out hoopa in ancient origins. Okay. Yeah. um is archaeops in there is that where the fighting archaeops comes from the one that stops evolutions i don't remember um what other fossil post pokemon are there? there's rampardos Astrodon. Man, I don't think it would be either of those either, though. All right, what? Uh, read an attack name. I'll go with an attack name, actually. Give me an attack name. Its attack name is Epic Splash. <laughs> Isn't that just magic card? <laughs> is there another Pokemon that has an attack Epic Splash besides Magikarp? I don't think so, but there's no way it's Magikarp, right? All right, well, give me a stage. Give me what stage the card is. It is a basic. I mean, I got nothing then. Is it just... But is there... I, I think there is. Yeah, I'll go with Magikarp. Azul. Dude. What a guess that is. It is indeed Magikarp. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have got Magikarp the extra point. I should have just said... Origins. I should have just said... On the Epic Splash, I should have just said Magikarp, to be honest. Probably, probably. Wait, what is the what is the Gyarados that's in Ancient Origins? Is it the double tool one? Uh, yep. Mm. Is it? Yep, there it is. Yep. With the oh, attached. That's something that we could have mentioned. Ancient Trains came out with Megas, right? Uh, Ancient Trains came out after Megas. Oh, but they were only on Mega Pokemon, if I'm not mistaken. No, that's not true. That's not true. But Let's it was kind of like tied with... Azul. Let's look at this card real quick. Yeah. yeah. Oh. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. But they were like... It was tied with like the Megas, you know. Megas were there. We had ancient traits. Yeah, this came out, Uh, you know. With Megas. There was Megas, wasn't there? Yeah, Megas were also a mechanic at the time. So our yeah, okay. Prism Star is tied to Pokemon GX. <laughs> well, congratulations. Next Azul. time we you get Pokemon GX. Point. I was a little worried that you were going to lock something in. I I knew when I picked this card that if you guessed the attack name, you would get the Pokemon correct. Yeah. Um, 
shout outs to our buddy Jesper Eriksson and his silly little epic splash format that he's always <laughs> begging. He's always begging me to play it. I assume he begs you to play it as well. No, um, no, he's asked me a couple times. I just haven't had the time. I actually want to play it. It does look like fun, um, but I have not played it. There's Yu Gi Oh cards in there, dude. Yeah, there is. Well, now it's like not Yu Gi Oh cards. It's like they got the evolutions or something in there. I know. So if I you know. Get they've got some other house cards. rule in there. It's definitely a silly little <laughs> format for those who don't know. You know. We're, to, we're just not going to get into it. <laughs> it's just not worth it. Epic Splash, its own fun little thing, whatever. Um, uh, but I was really worried that you were about to lock in like a, some random fossil Pokemon. Before I should have known too, because I know the... Lines. Yeah, I don't know. I should have used the... I should have known the Epic Splash. I think the I key here of the flavor text was uh, the horribly weak descendants, because Magikarp is like the weakest Pokemon. Yeah, so like Magikarps in the past were like... Not weak. A little bit stronger, I guess. Yes, I mean you don't have to be too much stronger to be a little bit stronger. I guess exactly That's also part of it, right? So, okay, that makes sense. I guess. Yeah. All, All right, right I can little, see it. you're back on the board. Your first points yeah. for ten weeks. Something. Been a while. It's been a while, but we're back. We're back. Back on the board. Up next, got some uh, tournaments to talk about. Start with City League Watch. Gonna take a look at some of the most recent uh winning list i think we should just look at winning lists here right i think that'd be the best thing to do yeah i think that's fine yeah so this city leagues the next few weeks right after guess that flavor text we're gonna do this this was azul's idea city league watch just take a look at some of the decks that are doing well in the tournaments over in japan as we are waiting for temporal forces and rotation to come um so far away still and if we're looking at some of these decks that have won city leagues recently uh some crazy ones out there there's some very interesting things <laughs> let's just start with this most recent one though Arceus charizard yeah so it got b barrel in there as well yeah it's got the b barrel in there yeah i just don't see i don't know i just don't see a reason to play arceus why do you need arceus you just can't, can't we can just candy charizard without arceus yeah but arceus makes it so you can always candy charizard I think we're doing that. I don't even know. Like, I honestly don't know the the resource investment that you have to spend to find the Arceus pieces. I don't even know if that's if that actually makes it easier to get a turn to Candy Charizard. To be honest, maybe it's it for the late game Starbirth. You know. Yeah. There we go. Recover from Iono. I think. <laughs> yeah, Recover I know. From Iono. I don't think Arceus is back on this one. To be honest, it's back. It does help you find like, you know, pr to early prime, prime catcher yeah. plays a little earlier, I guess. Right. To counter catcher. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the first. I mean, it's the most recent one. But I mean, if we're looking at these decks right here. Um, yeah. First off, I mean, we're talking about the winning lists mostly. Uh, yeah. But this deck has been doing pretty decently. I've seen a bit of it on Twitter as well. This yeah. kind of turbo, not turbo, but like this solo Iron Hands deck. We talked about this last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, after the Champions League uh, where this deck got top cut. Um, but yeah, I think this deck is honestly just probably pretty good. Yeah, I think it is as well. I mean, it seems decent. Um, one thing I mentioned about it is I don't think you can get away with only playing Countercatcher in the deck anymore. Now it's a known quantity. Uh, and we see in this build specifically, there's a prime catcher over the future, future, um, whatever it's called, yeah. future a spec. Um, another thing that I think will kind of can pretty easily uh, cripple this deck um, and make it just kind of bad as a tech card is like just playing a lost vacuum. Like Charizard already naturally plays it. I think if this deck, like you only play the two heavy baton in here, but I think you're expecting one of them to happen on your first Iron Hands. Yeah. 
um, to like allow you to chain Iron Hands attacks. But I think if you just play a vacuum and you vacuum that before they get to utilize it, they pro the deck probably crumbles pretty quickly, to be honest. So I think un unprepared for and underplayed against or ex having an un not that much experience against the deck, the deck is really, really good. Like, I think it was a really, really good play for the Champions League because new format, no one knows what the heck you're playing. Uh, best of one on top of that, so they can't yep. even adjust throughout the set. I think it's really, really good. But I think the deck isn't like terrible now that it's like a known quantity, but you have to like adapt it a little bit, play some boss, maybe the prime catcher like we see here, um, and give yourself uh, a couple new tricks. I think the, like the list that like did well at Champions League specifically was great for Champions League, but now it's become like a little bit too linear. Another interesting one I notice here is uh, Espathra Zatu. It's here, man. It's here. <laughs> With the Mewtwo EX as well. It's got that baby Espathra in there as well, which uh, when it evolved, wait, what does it do again? When it evolves, it can't if you be hit, played right? Tulip from your oh, hand yeah. this turn, you get to do 140, and then its ability uh, makes it immune the next turn. Yeah. Oh, there's a Tulip in your discard pile. Yeah. If there's a Tulip in your discard pile, you get to hit for 140, and when you evolve it, you Oh, if, I thought you had to play it. Okay, my mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it has a stance ability. We've seen that same ability before on like Lucario's and stuff. Yeah. Yes, yes. When you evolve from your hand, during your opponent's next turn, you don't take any damage from it or effects from your opponent's Pokemon done to this Pokemon, and you can hit for 140. So, like, not bad, I guess. Yeah, Espathra, I'm not sure about this one either. Um, I mean, it honestly doesn't seem too bad. Like, if you have a Tulip in your discard pile and you evolve into this thing with the ability and you just go hit a V-Star, you do 140 to it next turn, 280, that's a knockout. And they're not even trading two for two because they're not knocking out the Espathra. Now, yeah. they can boss the you. And you do have an Espathra EX, which is a grass type, and does 70 or 30 plus 30 for each energy attached to yourself and the active Pokemon. So you only need a couple energy to 1-hit KO Charizards, and the ability making your opponent take an extra energy to attack. You know? So that's like your answer to Charizard for sure, right? Just Espathra EX is it, uh, after Espathra EX. And then, yeah. yeah, the only other attack on here is what? The Mewtwo. And what does Mewtwo do again? Is it's 30 plus 30 for each psychic attached to all your Pokemon? 10 plus 10 30. Plus 30. Yeah, for all psychics so attached to all your Pokemon. So I guess it's like your heavy hitter, the game closer, the, Mew the Mewtwo VX. Yeah, a little awkward because you can't uh, Zatu onto the Mewtwo, right? You can yeah. only Zatu. Oh, wait. You can. You, you can't. Anyone. Okay, I'm yeah. trolling. My bad. I'm thinking, what am I thinking of? What is the know. thing you can only put? I don't know what I'm thinking of. Continue. Nobody knows. <laughs> They're rocking the Hero's Cape tool card as the A spec plus 100 HP. Um, and they got the new supporter in there, the Morty. What's it called? Morty something? Morty's Confidence. Morty's Confidence. You must discard a card from your hand to use this card. Draw a card for each of your opponent's benched Pokemon. Is that what Zinnia's Resolve did? Or did Zinnia's Resolve draw for each of your opponent's Pokemon in play? Zinnia's was each Pokemon in play. To discard two cards. Yeah, so I think yeah, I'm not Morty, very... Morty's not a bad card. I'm not I very think confident in it, This though. is a card that we will see played occasionally in decks. Yeah, well, we saw Zinnias occasionally. Well, I think we'll should see this we a little have? bit more frequently than we saw Zinnias. Question is, should we have seen Zinnias occasionally? <laughs> Basically, no. <laughs> yeah, Morty's, we've seen a little bit more of it earlier on than we saw from Zinnias Resolve, to be honest. So, Morty's, uh, I'm not I'm not sold on it, but it is in here. Instead of Researches, has a couple Morty's alongside the Iono, so you don't discard your hand. You want to, like, build it up instead. And this is the type of deck that I think Morty will be played in, you know? Yep. You don't want to discard your hand, right? You don't really want to Iono always either because you want to build a large hand. Yeah, yeah. 
So I think there's a spot for the for the Morty. Uh, we see Lugia did win one as well recently. Is this looks, just the? I think yeah, it looks the, like oh, it. one less Snorlax. One less Snorlax, and then there was two Snorlax in the list. Oh, for one the less fourth... Lugia V. There's another Minchino. Yeah, I like those changes to be honest. Uh, I like worked on the list. I, I I like worked on a Lugia list on stream last week, and the more I changed about it, the more it just became almost exactly like the Champions League list. But I did like the idea of another Minchino. Um, and I do also like the idea of cutting a Lugivi. I don't know if I did that in my list, but I like the the one less Lugivi, I think, as well. Yeah, because with this deck, you really it feels like you only want to put one Lugivi V star in play. Yeah, it's probably a little bit matchup dependent, but yeah, you don't really want to opening is nice though, to be honest, for that read the wind, turn one going second. Yeah. So the read the wind. But you know what else is, is nice. a pretty good attack turn one going second? Hit me with it. Call for family. Yeah, call for family is also pretty good. You got four of those in there. Find the other Manchinos. Pretty important. Find your Lugia. Yeah, exactly. True, true, true. Yeah, you don't even have to find the Lugia turn one. You could like commit your Ultra Ball to just getting an Archaeops and getting down the discard pile and then call for family to get the Lugia. And you don't even, like, even if you start like Snorlax. I mean, basically, like, this deck has just two bad starters, really. And really, it's just one. Like, you don't mind starting Snorlax. You don't want to, obviously, but like, it's pretty I mean, yeah, easy to just have a really good then. starter with this deck, right? Minchino or Lugia. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and Snorlax isn't bad either. Like, if you open it, especially if you go first, you can just attack with something Snorlax turn two. You don't even yeah, need the Archaeops yeah. yet. So, yeah. sure. I mean, Lugia yeah, seems I... pretty decent. We saw, like, a decent amount of dubs from Lugia coming out of the City Leagues immediately after Champions League. It's cool um, a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't, like, read too much into that. Like, it's, like, obviously it's going to be played more post-Champions League. Um, so it's going to lead to more wins. It did win Champions League, but I'm, like, not sold on it being, like, Lugia being like a super super powerful deck or anything like that, like I don't think it's like Charizard levels of power in the in the format, but it still seems like it is probably a solid deck. Oh, look at this! We got a Armor Rouge Arceus deck here. <laughs> this won a tournament. Armor Rouge finally seen an appearance. The Delphox is probably the Delphox is powerful for sure. Delphox is super strong. Yeah, it does come down to a lot to how much Manaphy there is, but like being able to like make a comeback and like KO double B barrels or something like that. Um, while combat that with Iona or something, it gets quite a few decks in the format. Seems pretty good. Radiant Charizard over the Heatran. What do you think of that? I think Heatran in these like heavy magma base decks is pretty dang good. Heatran's just awkward. It's just like so hard to set up. Like you need to find it, get it on the bench. Also, then like consistently have a magma base in play. And we look at that list specifically. There's only three magma basin in it, so sure. Might just be better to just get the guaranteed value from the. Let's check out the. the... Yeah, you found it. Metang Dialga, dude. We're. I mean, I've I've been hyping up the the Metang. Yeah, this card is crazy. For those who don't know, it's a stage one coming out. Metang uh, has an ability. Once during your turn, you may look at the top four cards of your deck and then attach any number of basic metal energy cards from there to your Pokemon in any way that you like. And then shuffle the remaining cards to the bottom of your deck. Yeah, and like that last part there is like pretty important because if you have like two to three Metang set up. Yep. That means each following Matang won't see the non-energy cards you just put on the bottom of your deck. So it constantly increases your odds of seeing energy. Um, so it's definitely an interesting... Uh, interestingly worded there. We've been seeing a lot more of that, obviously. Marnie for, at first, now we've seen it in Iono. Now we see it in the Matang. Um, so yeah, Matang, maybe going to give some life to... This is a specifically a Dialga V-Star build. Do Dialga, there's a Zacian in here as well. But honestly, what if you just play like four Zacian? This is Zamazenta. Or Zamazenta, excuse me. And you're just hitting for 220 every single turn. As a one Yeah, or 100. 
Well, I mean, if they're not attacking, I think we're winning. You know, I think That's I'll true. I'll take that trade off. Um. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, know. that is true. I mean, Dialga V Star is like an insanely powerful card, right? But it's just got yeah. an incredibly steep attack cost, right? Yeah, <laughs> five yeah. energy to use that V Star power, but I mean, you get to skip your opponent's turn, which is pretty good. So yeah, I could see, good. I could see the, I could see this being good with Dialga V Star, or like the Matang just seems like a good card. Um, obviously, it, it's not like as good as something like like a Malamar or a Flaffy. I don't think. I think I'd rather take those cards over the Matang, but uh, maybe it's enough to give Metal some life, if not right now, when other Metal Pokemon do come out. This list is also playing a 1-1 Hisuian Basculegion. This card has been a mainstay in many a meme deck. LDF <laughs> has definitely made like eight videos that have this card in it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, LDF is definitely probably familiar with the Basculegion for sure. So, upstream Spirits, 20 damage, for each basic energy card in your discard pile, then shuffle those cards back into your deck. Stage one, the, the attack costs zero energy. Yeah, zero energy. And the basic that it evolves from is honestly a pretty good one. The Suyan Basculin. Gather the crew, free attack again, search your deck for two basic Pokemon and put them onto your bench. So people were all for family action. Up. Basculin had a decent amount of hype behind it, to be honest, when it was coming out. The gathering of the crew. It is a really good attack because it costs zero, which yeah. means on your first turn going second, you can retreat into it. And then use it to search your deck out for two more. Po I, will that ever actually see play with Buddy Poffin? I didn't think about that. Oh, what deck has like the bench space to like lose a bench space to a Basculin Legion or Basculin? Excuse that me. also needs to get something in play that Buddy Poffin can't get in play. Well, it would allow you to Buddy Poffin for it. It's like it allows you to get plus one Pokemon into play, right? Sure, but also like so like, but I don't think you're doing this to just get like more charmanders in play right i don't know it's plus one pokemon is it worth it because like you go buddy poffin for the basculin retreat into it then it searches out two to effectively get plus one pokemon off the buddy poffin potentially so like, i feel like the bigger value would be if it was in a deck that played you know like the like if it was if like arceus charizard was the best way to play charizard ex right because mm -hmm. you can buddy poffin for charmander plus basculin get into the basculin and then boom, you go get an Arceus plus another Charmander or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I could see. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. It works with things you can't buddy Poffin for exactly, with maybe yeah. a little bit better. Yeah. The basic of the question are can you afford to lose that bench space? Which I think most decks, the answer is just no. You don't want to lose that bench space. Yeah, probably not right now. Yeah. But it's an interesting one. Um, any other decks here standing out that you want to talk about? There's a Gardevoir here with the Drifloon. Yep. But now what? We call it Arvinvor or something. Arvin. <laughs> Can we just call it Gardevoir, man? <laughs> now it's all about the Arvinvor. You want to call it Arvinvor? <laughs> what? Well, now I like Garvin more now that I came up with Gar <laughs> Garvin. <laughs> we got the new Garvin deck here. Um, oh, it is still built really that heavily like around a kid comebacks. In high school that's like super into metal, you know. <laughs> It's alone at the lunch table, Garvin. <laughs> yeah, this one is super, uh, super heavily playing around comebacks now, right? Because we see counter catchers, you got the tool cards. This does play the hero's cape to increase the HP of the Screamtail and the Drifloon, so they do more damage. Um, even look at the bottom there, we got some disruptive stadiums there, the Pokemon League headquarters to increase basic Pokemon's attacks by one colorless. And then the bigger one there is the Clamidus Wasteland. So you can try and like counter catch, counter -catch something up at the end of the game. Uh, I own them low, and the Calamus Wasteland 
Calamitous Wasteland increases the retreat cost of basic non-fighting Pokemon, both goes your opponents by colorless more, and they can just like snipe around it with Screamtail or something like that. Yeah, kind of cool. That is um, kind of cool. It makes me wonder if the, anyone would ever play the Drift Blim. You know what that does? Is like triple psychic to like spread eight damage counters or something? Wow, look at you, man! But yeah, that's exactly what it does. Yep. I don't know. Turn two Drift Blim to like snipe. This card doesn't Remember? seem that bad. Yeah, pretty good in Garvin. <laughs> <laughs> it's just worse than Screamtail, but like it gets around Manaphy. Yeah, right? it gets around Man- You could KO Manaphy with with it and then yep. you use Screamtail. Wait, go. actually, that's kind of good. Like that doesn't seem bad. And it's like it's not good. really stuff. Stuff's not really playing Jirachi right now. Yeah, I don't think so. Jirachi doesn't seem that Honestly, good. Honestly, though, this is so much more commitment than just like getting Cresselia set up. And Cresselia is still legal. Oh, yeah. True. Or we could just counter catch or kill the Manaphy. Yeah, there's a lot of better ways to do it. But, you know, this is like, I don't know. This is just like a card that like, this is not that bad, right? Yeah, does not seem terrible. Yeah, but Garvin, um, I mean, Gar- Guardi isn't like completely dead. It's got some tools. I'm literally going to hang out if you call it Garvin again, dude. <laughs> we're not we're not starting that. Garvin is it's already begun. Go out, go forth on common energy listen sir uncommon energy listen spread the word of garb <laughs> onto the pokemon tcg community oh my gosh was there any well, more interesting uh interesting lists that stood out we saw the guardy the dialga i think that was it i mean it's a lot of the same there's chimpows the beaverells a decent amount of control honestly oh no, arceus coco check out the arc coco huh? at the bottom there arc coco arc coco yeah. That's oh, an wait, Armor what? Rouge, brother. All right, go back twice. Is that not a Tapu Coco? This? Yeah. No, that's an Armor Rouge. It looks like, because it's like blurry, it's like a little pixelated on my side. It looks like a Tapu Coco. That's an Armor Rouge. All I right. can see it a little bit, though. If you like squint your eyes, tilt your head, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what it looks like here, though, through the, there's definitely a quality drop. But yeah, um, shout outs to Robin for getting all these City League results posted up here on limitless great to review and yeah we'll be looking at these the next couple weeks but let's move on here we got a we got a lot to talk about still we're an hour and a half in already (laughs) um yeah a few tournament results to look at uh we still have the current format happening there's the utrecht special event this weekend and then in southeast asia this past weekend as well there were two regional league tournaments there was the indonesia regional league volume two and also the philippines regional league volume two both of these had a few hundred players at them and the Philippines Regional League was won by none other than Charizard. Yeah. Um, and I looked at both of them really quickly at a glance right here. And Charizard and Giratina, like, are everywhere. Um, they're all over the place. But, yeah. I mean, Charizard, uh, we haven't seen Charizard get, like, a dub in a little while. Um, it's been the most popular deck in the format. I think it was by far the most popular league at the... Uh, champions league tournament most recently um i don't know it's probably one of the most popular decks here in uh in the philippines um and yeah i got the dub looking at the list here nothing uh nothing too crazy from the philippines list the winning list um but yeah then uh did beat that roaring moon in the finals oh heavy ball heavy ball you don't see very often i do like the heavy ball though heavy ball is interesting there's also a nest ball in here still one less ultra ball than normal I don't know if I like that. Yeah, also, I don't three like that. Arvin, four Iono. So, like, a little bit of minor tweaks here and there, it looks like. Yeah, I and mean, we start to see, like, people start to cut back on the Arvin a little bit. It seems like since Haru um, yeah. was uh, placing pretty well with the two Arvin list. 
Um, and I don't hate it. Try it out. Arvin's still good, but like Iona's pretty good as well. Just drawing six new cards on your turn. You know, you're usually going to get a similar result to what Arvin would give you, um, and potentially even like a higher. I feel like it's got like a higher ceiling for like follow up, right? And yeah, Roaring Moon did get the finals. It is just the look at it this. It is <laughs> the Ross list. Let's Holy go, cow, man. It lives on for another tournament weekend. Hey, maybe if this Roaring Moon had catchers, they could have beat Charizard in the finals, you know. Maybe. It might be the difference maker there. And uh, we see a Chiam Pao doing decently. You know, not something you hear too much from. Obviously, uh, Cameraman just got the dub over in Dortmund. Actually, the uh, question is, I think this is only one. I think this is literally a good Frigibacks. Yeah. Collect Frigibacks is different from Owens list here. I, I think literally, so. It's the only difference is there's the Collect Frigibacks. So... Slightly optimizing Owen's uh, <laughs> suboptimal 60 from Dortmund, adding that collect Fridgy, and then, yeah, coming in and getting a top four here in the Philippines. But like you said, there's a lot of Tina, um, another Charizard here in the top four, and then there's a couple of Golden Go hanging around as well down here in the top 16. Oh, Cheryl? That's new. Ooh. It's punching us in that we, need, that we feel like we need a heal from. I'm curious about that one. Charizard. Don't we just if they're punching us and not KOing us? I'm feeling pretty good. That is fair. I guess we could be feeling better. The classic, the classic win more card. Yeah, it feels a little win more for sure. This one's got the scissor in it. Yeah, you don't see that very often, but it's a pretty good way to sh shake up the prize trade, to be honest. Against a lot of magic, a lot of decks are trying to go 2 2 2 against you, like Guard 4. Yeah. Uh, and even Charizard. So the scissor can really throw, uh, throw a wrench in the gears, um, shake things up. Yeah, if you attack with like scissor. What if with this deck you just go like quick for you the scissor and then for the radiant greninja play and it's like you're not even worried about golden go until like turn three you know yeah we don't even attack with it anymore honestly what if we cut the golden goes <laughs> <laughs> we're just playing attacking scissor dot deck and if we're doing that i haven't even looked at this zoro box list yet but let's see does he have the scissor yeah it's in there yes there's actually there's two, two zoro box yeah. decks here two in zoro the box indonesia tournament yeah Robox doing work over there, which is, I mean, people have talked about it. People have mentioned how the deck gets better consistently every every set. So Robox has never really been a meta deck, um, and it does leave with rotation, right? What so, are these cards that are in this list, man? I don't know. Which ones are you talking about specifically? We've got Zizu. We've got Practice Studio. The attacks the stage one Pokemon, both yours and your opponents, do 10 more damage. What math are we fixing? That's kind of interesting. I don't know. It take a lot of things. I'm sure they know. That's why they play. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to figure out why they play Practice Stadium, but I'm sure it fixes or Studio. I'm trying. I'm sure it fixes some math for them. They've got the Mabostiff in here. What is yeah? So that's like is that just better than the Mightyana? I guess because um, it can KO Mu V Max, but it also does other stuff. That's um, my assumption. Its ability is probably okay, right? Yeah, I guess that could be one of the reasons as well. Once in your turn, you may switch your opponent's active to the bench. Your opponent chooses the new active. What is this easy? Uh, but Mightyena is basically like I feel like gonna just be better most of the time because it KOs Mew for free. It doesn't take an energy, yeah. and it can still get an energy on it to KO uh, Gardevoir, right? Yeah. What does the Zizu do? What does the card even Zizu do? Zizu lets you uh, draw cards until you have one more card in your hand than your opponent's. What <laughs> is that good? Is, I, doesn't this know, deck build I, a hand with Curlia? 
they're it's probably pretty good against Lost Box, right? And against just, Gardevoir, honestly. Don't you just lose to Lost Box? Not if you can draw a bunch of cards. <laughs> no, you got Jirachi, dude. Oh, that's true. That's true. We're gonna put make room for Jirachi and Man if you're on our bench. Seems tough, but doable. Yeah, that's what you have to do in the matchup, I think. So your whole bench is just what like Zorg, Zorg. You also you have, have you only get one Curly M play in that matchup, but they're well, not disrupting you. So you it's have okay. two Zorg, two Curly M, Jirachi Man if you right. They'll Roxanne you eventually. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, so you get like an awkward bench there. But the Thornton allows you to like the, if they chase yours a rule, you can Thornton into the the Zora. So many one ofs in this list, man. Yeah, prize card. One. Oh, all the supporters are one ofs. Literally, all the supporters are one ofs too. And then <laughs> no, there's three Iono. Oh, okay. I didn't see the. I literally did not see the Iono. I just stopped that research. Twenty four one of cards, man. Let's go. Almost half the deck. Almost. What is the other? We, got, we gotta find like? six good cards to cut to make room for other stuff. This one, I mean, it's so crazy too, because like the Zora Box decks do differ <laughs> a, a decent bit, right? Like there's the here's Scizor the Mighty one, the Jolteon, the Flareon. Was the Scissor on the other one? Did I miss it? I don't think it was. I think the Scissor. Because that feels like a really the yeah, Scissor feels like a really big part of the deck because it allows you to like progress the board state a little bit more aggressively. I guess there is like the Cleavor in this build, which lets you do the same thing. Like you just need something to attack with, like force your opponent to play the game. Yeah, they can attack with the Aerodactyl for two pretty easily, right? Yeah, that's true as well. 100 damage. If your opponent's active is evolved, you de-evolve it. Because I played against the Zoro Box at Charlotte, and I was like, let's see what kind of build they're playing. And I just sat there and set up two Iron Hands, and then took two prize cards, and they KO'd Iron Hands, and then I went to brought the Iron Hands back into the deck, put it back into play. And then I yeah. had three Iron Hands in a row, and the game was over. So, yep. You gotta have some way to be like a little bit aggressive for sure. You can't yeah. just do nothing. That is that is one thing about Zorovox is like it is allergic to uh, any like it's allergic to <laughs> I'm not, it's allergic to any BS or something like that, you know? Like any any <laughs> little uh any little like annoying off thing your opponent can do, right? Like not attacking or you know, passing, bossing, and then passing like Basically, just passing. This deck's allergic to passing. <laughs> yeah, it would prefer if your opponent did something every single turn. To be honest, it's like sometimes you don't want your opponent to draw prize cards too fast because sometimes you have like a little bit of a slow setup. Yeah, but uh, you do want your opponent to draw your draw the prize cards at like uh, somewhat of a pace, right? You want to be something wants to be happening. Um, and then yeah, let's look at that winning Tina list real quick. Nothing yeah. super special here, I don't think. Waters, Manaphy, the four switch cart. And yeah, nothing too crazy. Poke gears, yeah. Oh, no countercatcher. I guess that's kind of the big standout oh, here, to be honest. No yeah. countercatcher. But... You gotta make room for the mana fee. Yeah, so has now. everything else. Has everything else. Yeah, yeah. Pretty normal looking list. Uh Atar Rico, that's a name, you know, one of the better players from Indonesia. Like he's someone whose name we've seen at Worlds and stuff for years, I feel like, right? Um, yeah, that the name is definitely familiar for sure. Uh but yeah, played the Charizard, did have the Inte in here. I don't see the Entei very much. It also has oh, it's a B barrel build. It's a B yeah. barrel build. And Entei, I have seen more Entei in B barrel builds. Maybe Entei is a little bit better than in the B barrel builds, but I still feel like playing something like the Rotom or just like the Pidgeot. I still like the idea of that a little bit more. I don't. Entei's just not very good. I would just kind of go back to being like Entei's just not very. It doesn't seem very good. But. Yeah. 
Yeah, nothing too crazy here. Just the, the Evo Zard, which uh, has been like the more popular way to play Zard, to be honest, after rotation. We'll see if that holds, though, because that was the same thing in the Paradox Rift format when it started. So both of these tournaments also did have a Zoro, or not a Zoro, a uh, Maridon making a pretty de deep run. Mm -hmm. Um... And we haven't seen too much Rhydon recently. This one has the Cobalion in there. Um, yeah. Cobalion. But honestly, uh, like, especially for our meta right now, like, if you like, if you've been on Pokemon TCG Twitter the last two weeks, basically all you've been seeing is people's League Cup results playing Gardevoir is what it feels like. <laughs> Dude, Gardevoir has been just like that is the deck right now. Everyone's playing Gardevoir, it feels like. And that's because Gardevoir doesn't really have any bad matchups in the meta. But that's because no one's playing any Iron Hands in pretty much anything right now. A little bit of Chien Pao. Maradon has almost completely fallen off. But is there room for Maradon to kind of make a little pushback? You know, Gardevoir is more popular. Charizard becomes less popular. You know, you have a fine Tina matchup. Maradon, what do you think? I mean, I think Maradon's pretty good right now. People, Someone asked me about it on my stream today. I was like, yeah, I, like if I was going to Utrecht this weekend, I would play Maradon. Yeah, I think I would just like that's my number one deck right now to play. Like it's the best deck against the two most successful decks over the last like month now. Guardi and Tina. Um, this build is interesting. It's got the oh no, this build is like a research build. It's got two Mew though, and then still has like the two two Flaffy, which is interesting. Yeah, the double Mew is a little interesting, but maybe because they have two double Turbo Energy. Yeah, trying to utilize they're trying to be aggressive with some like <laughs> you know Greninja snipe plays against Giratina or something like that. Yeah, I could see it, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Maridon right now. Like, if I was going, like I said, if I was going to Utrecht, I'd play a, some builder like Peony Maridon. Um, I still think Peony is the way to go because, like, if you play the research build, when you play the research, you're just looking oh. for generators and sometimes just whiff it. But... There's a choice belt in this list as well. So you can, you can go DTE, choice, choice belt, belt. Dynamotor, <laughs> knock, you can lost impact. That's actually, that's probably not bad. Uh, it's, it seems okay. Yeah. It seems okay. I'm not sure I would devote a space to the deck for a choice belt. The well, there would have to be some other the... reason that it's decent. I think it's just for Tina. It seems like it's just yeah. for Tina. I mean, Tina, there's a lot of Tina in these tournaments here. Like, yeah, there's uh, a lot of Tina. There's a lot of Tina. Maybe it's just the most popular deck over there as well, so checking for Tina might just be worth the Knowing worth your the meta space right now. off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, those be. are the most recent successful lists in this current format. Shoutouts to all the Philippines and Indonesian players to uh succeed do well in their tournaments this past weekend but there is the utrecht special event this coming weekend and yeah i mean if you're going to, it sounds like you you already were talking about it on your stream today that if you were going that you feel like maridon seems like a good play yeah i would play Maridon. i think i mean i like the deck i think peony maridon is like a pretty powerful deck a little bit meta dependent um moon i think moon is favored against it yeah but i think moon has been coming down in popularity with the kind of the rise of guardy um zard is always going to be one of like the top two most popular decks probably like i for utrecht maybe it'll be close between like utrecht or, or between zard and um tina at utrecht i don't know maybe zard will still kind of reign supreme in terms of popularity um it's definitely been struggling in terms of um success lately it feels like overall like we just saw some recently now here um but uh, definitely hasn't been the most successful deck as of late even over in like the 
Champions League, it struggled, it seems like, um, for how popular it was. Like, it, it yeah. did get top four. I think there was one in top four, but like, still, it feels like, you know, if it's going to be like 25% of the meta, which is what I think it was over there, it's 2025. Um, you'd expect a little bit more from it, but there was a decent amount of Charizard hate. I guess there's like way more Charizard hate, it looks like, in the uh, Temple Forces format. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Maradon seems good. I like Maradon. All right, well, let's make some predictions about Utrecht this coming weekend. So it is the final major tournament in Europe in the current format. So you know one of our predictions has got to be, is Mew going to get its third European win of the season? Tough one. It feels I feels like it's getting better for Mew, though, because like Moon was there for a while, being pretty popular. I don't know if there's been enough time for the meta to adjust to kind of put moon back in probably its rightful place, to be honest, I'm being honest here. Um, but I don't think there's enough been, been enough time to put it there. So with that in mind, I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably going to be a little bit rough for Mew. And I'm going to go with, yes, because of that, no one's predicting Mew to do well. So no one is playing spirit tomb in their Tinos or anything like that. Reverse psychologizing. So Mew is going to get that dub. No one's teching for it. Why would you? Roaring moon's still pretty popular. But that's the time. That's all the Mew needs. You know, I'm just going to play the numbers here on this one. And just statistically, there's so many decks in the format. There's a lot of great players, a lot of great players who don't basically ever play Mew over in Europe. So I'm going to roll with the no on this one. I think it's a pretty safe bet. But you know what? How could I ever be surprised to see you <laughs> with the dub? So I'm looking forward to uh, congratulating you on your correct predictions next week. <laughs> Mew is also the most winningest deck in Europe this season, I believe, right? It's no won two won. of their six major tournaments. Yeah, no deck has no other deck has won two. So, hey, the odds are in its favor, it seems like, you know, historically. Saying. Mew stays it's winning. True. It's true. Let's yeah. look at the deck. I'm curious now. In Europe. <laughs> this what are you season. For? All right. Highest earning deck. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mew, dude. It's Mew. Let's highest go. Highest earning deck in Europe is I mean, it did Mew. get two wins, but still, that is actually is kind of a little bit of a surprise that it is like the highest earning deck. If you go to points, it's down to fifth. Ooh, but not by a lot. Only by 30 points. 30, Top eight finishes, second. It is tied there with Zard at second. Lost, lost box at 10. That's a lot. In tournament wins, it's second place. Now I'm kind of curious real quick. If real we switch this. it over to, to North America. What are we looking at? What, do you have a prediction here for highest earning deck in North America this season? Um, Tina? Uh, Got to be Tina or Charizard. Well, yes. Got to be Tina or uh, this season, this season. When did we Whole start? Season after Worlds. What was the first term after Worlds? Give me a Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Oh. It's got to be Tina Arzard, I think. It could be Guardian. With... No, I think it's Tina Arzard. I'm going with Lost Box. I think it's definitely okay. Lost Box. Let's take a look. Oh, Lost Box is points first, and Lost Box is earnings. Oh, Zard's not, not, even not even that close, high. dude. Ninety-four thousand yeah. to seventy-seven thousand with Tina second. The Lost Zone, man, doing it. Yeah, not Zard, I guess. Yeah, Zard's all the way down there at uh, fifth. Yeah, yeah, fifth. And you make up one fifth of this <laughs> result as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, man. 
Hard's All not right. cutting it out there, man. Next prediction here. Uh, the most recent tournament, Dortmund in Europe. Saw two surprise decks making it all the way to the final. It was the Golden Go EX up against Chiam Pao Backscalibur. So this tournament, the follow-up, which of those two archetypes will place higher in the event? Will it be a Chiam Pao making it further, or will it be a Golden Go? And, you know, doesn't have to be top eight, top 16, any of that. It could be, you know, Chiam Pao is 135th and Golden Go is 136th. You know, make your pick. Which one is going to finish higher? I gotta go with the Chien Pao here. Yeah, I'm so I'm not a big Golden Go believer. I think Chien Pao is pretty good. I think Chien Pao's people's faith in Chien Pao has also been restored post. I think that's the Owen dub. Um, but I still think it is like um, I think I still think it's true that Chien Pao is like the most punishing deck in the format. Like you misplay once a Chien Pao and it hurts worse than most other decks. I agree. Yeah. So that's still true. I think part I of that think, is because uh, you're playing so many turns by the skin of your teeth. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I have to draw superior this turn, so I got to make sure I sequence my concealed cards, my Shivery Chill, my Bibarel, my Ultra Ball, my Pokestop. Like, I've got to sequence all these eight things perfectly to increase my chances to draw the one card I need to draw to stay in the game. And so because it's a deck that's continually living by the skin of its teeth, I'm giving it to the Golden Go, baby. Goldingus! <laughs> You're just trying to get back in his good graces after you gave up on it. I or... gave up on it, dude, and it got second place, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Golden Go. Come back to me. Last prediction here. Uh, we talked earlier about how Gardevoir has been basically all anyone's been talking about on Pokemon TCG Twitter the last couple weeks. So people have been gassing up Gardevoir way too much. I mean, keep doing it. Just keep doing it until Vancouver so I can play Maridon again. That'd be sick. Dude, if you guys play Maridon again, Grant is Grant is gonna swim home. And swimming back to North Carolina <laughs> from Vancouver is tough. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he'd make it, bro. I'm not gonna lie. All the way around like South America. <laughs> oh man. Um a lot of pit stops. Yeah, so let's predict Gardevoir's day one meta share. It's been what basically everyone's been talking about. Uh, I think, uh, I mean, it has on. been like an eight-ish percent deck the last several tournaments. Day it was one. up to ten in uh, Dortmund, I think. It was up to ten. Yeah. So let's. I'm uh, gonna. I'm before, don't just it predict here. it. No, let's type it in the chat here, on the thing at the same time. Okay. So we'll each predict. All right. All right. Let me know what you're ready. I'm ready. We'll send it. All right. Ready. Three, send. two, one. Send. Ooh, Ooh, we're pretty close. <laughs> All right, Azul is predicting 11.8% MetaShare day one. I'm predicting 11.1 MetaShare percent day one. I think Not if you comp. look at day two, it's going to be a lot higher. Oh, yeah, I think it'll be like close. It could be close I think to like that 20. it might be the most popular deck in day two. Yeah, I think so. It'll have a really good conversion rate. A lot of good players are going to play it. Um, we're not going to see... Honestly, a lot of the good players that like travel, a lot of the good North American players that travel to these non-North American regionals, uh, generally play Guard Four, like Smart or Rowan most recently. Yeah, um, I don't know how many. Are I don't going but, to this one though. Well, I don't think anyone's going to this one because it's not a regional, it's right. a special event, right? So, so there's, there's no, no potential. There's no cash return. So I think it'll be only Europeans here. Um, but still, a lot of really good European players love to play Guardvort. But I think it definitely increases its Guardvort's potential, right? Is when those players are also making their way over uh, across the pond. But 
You know, I almost put 12.1 and I backpedaled <laughs> immediately to 11.1. I was like, oh, it would be so high for one of our future predictions. We should definitely try and predict a day two percentage of a deck. That's a little bit more interesting. But that is true. Yeah, we will save that for the for Vancouver or for Vancouver. We'll do like a Vancouver prediction with that one. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that's all we got here for the episode today. Chip, unless you got anything else, I think uh, you can close this out. I don't think so. Yeah. Thanks so much to everyone for listening. As always, we really appreciate the support. It means a lot. And if you want to show your support, just go that little extra mile by leaving us a rating, a review, a like, a comment, subscribe to the YouTube channel. All those things help us out so much. I think we just passed 8,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. If we didn't, we're very close. I think we did just pass it. Yeah. And we got 5,000 subscribers on the second YouTube channel as well. So appreciate everyone's support. On both of the channels here, especially the second channel, man, it's crazy. Two videos and 5,000 subs over there already. Um, but yeah, appreciate the support. And if you want to stay up to date with everything we have going on, the best place to do it is over on Twitter. Follow myself at ChipRitchie. Azul is at Azul underscore GG. And then you can also follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Appreciate the support as always. So we'll catch y'all next week. Or in the bonus episode. Yeah, 7 a.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Good luck to everyone going to the Utrecht special event. I'll catch some of y'all in just a second in the bonus episode.